0: Yes, welcome back. Welcome back to myself. Welcome back to you. Welcome back to the world of AEW. Uh, This episode will be uh, the best of 2023 episode. Uh, You know, we'll have match of the year, tag match of the year, female performer of the year, uh, male performer of the year, pay per view of the year, top 10 wrestlers. and so on, and so on. Um, just first and foremost, want to get into uh, my hiatus. Um, wrestling, for me, got a little bit too... Um, I don't know. I got a little too in the weeds with uh, my feelings about wrestling, and um, I just needed a break. I think after all the drama of Sam Punk and the Bucks and and Jungle Boy Jack Perry and the just the constant fucking uh, negativity around AEW. I mean it really it has been really interesting to take a step back and dip in and out a little bit of wrestling news and just watch the weight of 45 years of, of industry contacts and everything like that that WWE has really have a uh, a say in AEW's fortunes and things almost becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, if you talk about something being shit long enough, people will start to believe it. Um, and I, I still look at the two products. Um, you know, obviously when Punk arrived... <laughs> Survivor Series. I mean, it's a pretty funny story. I actually would, was trying to avoid watching it all day because it seemed. Now it seems like it was a foregone conclusion. But on the day, I was like, nah, maybe I just can't imagine him showing up to WWE, and he did. I uh, completely lost all respect for him uh, when that happened. I kind of promised myself that I wouldn't be one of those fans that just completely flipped on him, but. It was bad enough the last sort of 30 seconds of the pay-per-view seeing him uh, do basically the exact same thing that he did in AEW two years beforehand. But this time it felt to me, as someone who is a CM Punk fan, this is taking AEW and WWE out of it, and and carry one of those guys that carried the torch and the candle for 10 years or 7 years or whatever it was that he wasn't in wrestling, hoping that he would come back and hoping that he would find a home like AEW that wasn't WWE um and for him to essentially come out at Survivor Series and then the next night on Raw and then and it was a carbon copy of what he had done in AEW the promo the jumping into the crowd in Chicago like and you know not to be an asshole about things but it looks like what happened at AEW is the exact same thing that's going to happen in WWE. The guy's injury prone. Now he's not going to be at the biggest pay per view of the year. It's a letdown. It's completely fucked. Their booking—they're all over the place. Um, but once I saw him do the exact same thing in the Fed that he had done in the in AEW, I was like, "Oh, you're full of shit," and this is all a job and an act. And I and of course it is, of course it is. He's a performer. He's not. You know, he, it's, he's Phil Brooks, who has a wife and a dog and a house. CM Punk is a, a myth and a character that he has invented that he's played over the last 20 years. But there was something about CM Punk for me as a fan where it did... Uh, his attitude towards things felt real. You know, it felt like he had principles. And then once he came to AEW... It was like watching the person that you love completely destroy a thing that you (laughs) love from the inside out, you know, with the help of the Young Bucks. And, uh, you know, I still think the Young Bucks have got a lot to answer for in that situation as well. Um, Maybe Kenny a little bit, Jungle Boy. I mean, it'll all come out in the wash. Everyone will release books eventually. And all these guys, when they're older, all have fucking weekly podcasts where they all talk about they'll probably all end up being best friends and doing a podcast together. But I just felt like, and I don't know if you guys got to this point with AEW where I was like, I just need a break. I'm I'm gonna keep watching the product, and I did. And I, you know, tried to do some TikTok stuff, and I tried to do some stuff on threads. I was doing you know, it's like maybe podcasting isn't the way to to sort of get the message out about AEW. And uh and I thought the last three to six months of booking had been really solid, especially when you consider like Adam Cole was injured, CM Punk f- was fired, uh, Will Ospreay got signed but couldn't show up for five months, um, Jay White they were trying to build up, uh, Kenny Omega Kenny Omega's injured, there's shit going on with Chris Jericho, which isn't great either, um, a tag team division that wasn't being booked at all, a women's division that was slowly being built up, but really Tony Storm sort of carrying... The weight of that. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I thought the devil storyline and and everything going into World's End was all pretty interesting. I mean, I was I was tuning in every week to see what was happening with the devil, and even though I would sort of pegged Adam Cole right from the start, which is pretty obvious, it was still a fun ride to go on. I think, you know. Um, but anyway. I'll talk about more of that later, um, but I just needed a break. I needed a break from being a part of wrestling media. Um, and I, I just, it would make me so mad to watch people's YouTube channels and read their articles. I, I can categorically go on record now, and I, I dare, I, I, I ask anyone to, to come at me and challenge this statement, I don't think there's one person you can trust in the in the wrestling landscape to not curry their opinion to have their opinion curried by whoever's dick they want to suck at that particular time. And if you look at uh you know the way things have been reported by almost everybody in the wrestling media, um you know, every, for the first two and a half, three years of AEW, everybody loved AEW, is the worst. Um, and then somehow over the last year and a half when all the news that's come out of WWE has been abhorrent. Uh, abhorrent. Like just the worst, what's the worst possible thing that Vince McMahon could have done? Oh, he's done worse than that. Oh, he's done worse than it. Somehow over that time, because Hunter is the booker, it, it's okay to like WWE because, you know, Papa H is in charge now and Vince is gone. Even though Vince was there the whole time, he rolled his own daughter to get back onto the board. I mean, I've talked about all this shit ad nauseum. But this week, the the news that came out this week and watching this fucking spineless, sycophantic, dumb, fanboy-based media of of the thing that I love pro wrestling not ask one fucking question of any substance towards anybody at wwe or tko or netflix and then at the same time rubbish AEW as a product when every week you just get fucking like this week swerve strickland versus fucking <laughs> rob van dam is a dream match it lived up to expectations it built on a cool storyline that's all centered around a belt uh, which is the most important belt in pro wrestling, not in sports entertainment. And you know, somehow the negativity still persists around AEW and not fucking WWE. You've got guys like Drew McIntyre who are on the verge of walking out on the company. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of people who... Maybe they feel better about working at WWE now because finally Vince has been removed. But it took... Two other companies to come in and get rid of him. You know what I mean? Brock Lesnar, who I have on two separate podcasts, talked about how much of a meathead he is and how he comes across as just a complete fucking arsehole dickwad. And and everyone stood up for him as well. I think he's a good bad guy. I think he I think he does a good job of being the big boss on WWE. Okay, well you still think he's a good big boss now, guys? There needs to be some fucking balance to this discussion that's, you know, and I put discussion in inverted commas going on between AEW and WWE. It's not even a fucking, it's not even a contest anymore. AEW is a professional organization that puts on a wrestling show three times a week. WWE is a fucking cesspool that deals in sex slavery and gets blood money from Saudi Arabia and wiped out every fucking territory in America for over a 10-year period hired wrestlers and didn't give them any health insurance have literally killed people people have literally died in their rings and somehow for 45 fucking years nothing nothing has touched them and then this week i'm watching what's happening and the same fucking thing is happening again somehow this teflon fucking organization is just sliding through this And then, on top of that, you've got dickweeds on the fucking internet, and you are a dickweed if you think this, barracking for WWE. It's bad enough you're just turning a blind eye to it, and I saw a fuckload of that this weekend where it's like, oh, but I still want to watch the Royal Rumble. (laughs) Are you fucking for real? Are you for real? After you've heard everything that's happened to that company, are you going to sit down, rub your hands together, get your popcorn up, and watch five hours of shit wrestling? I mean, are you fucking serious? But it's worse, worse, when you fucking are barracking for WWE after all of this information has come out. Oh, $5 billion isn't anything to sniff at. So I'm back, and I'm going to be here every week, and I'm going to be pointing out how fucking good AEW is and how fucking shit... WWE is because it's not just everything that's been going on backstage, which is disgusting and abhorrent and atrocious. It's their shitty product. It's their dumb, shitty product that somehow gets. I mean, fucking Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns with one and two in the PWI fucking Wrestlers of the Year this year. How have you seen Seth Rollins? It is one of the worst. What is the gimmick? Who? What? What is he? He looks like a genuine fucking muppet. He looks like a fuck. He looks. He looks and sounds like a fucking muppet. Roman Reigns, I'll give it to you, but you know he isn't really doing anything that hasn't been done in WWE before. And also, this story has been going for six years. People complained about the Devil storyline going for six months. Roman Reigns' story has not fucking ended, and it takes three months at a time to get a tiny bit of story. I mean. Just fucking unbelievable. So, uh, I'm back. I'm back. And I'm going to be talking about AEW every week. And I'm I'm toying with the idea of uh, doing some stuff about WWE just to fucking point out how fucking atrocious. I, I can't get through 15 minutes of Raw. And I, I just, it boggles my mind that people can sit there and watch this and go, yeah, that's really good. It's fun. It's just fun. It's not fun. The promos go for 20 minutes. The entrances go for 15 minutes. The matches go for three. No one can actually wrestle. And the people who can wrestle are told not to. You know, I mean, it's fucking... Logan Paul is a champion in that company. And you... Logan Paul. I mean, for fuck's sake. Anyway. (laughs) So, that's how I was feeling... And it had sort of subsided, and then in the last week, it all just came flooding back. But just this time with rage, absolute, like, just bitter rage from me that somehow, like, the, the pretzel-type shapes that people are twisting themselves into to convince themselves that it's okay to still support WWE, you know? I mean, it's just like, oh, well, Vince is gone, so it's fine. Okay. And so no one knew about this shit, nobody, Hunter and Sean, the Degenerates didn't know about this. Where did that name come from, the Degenerates? Hmm? I mean, I know where it came from in kayfabe, but you know, they fucking reveled in that name, man. Are you telling me that they didn't fucking know about this shit? I'm not saying that they were involved in it, but even just knowing about it is enough to have these people's jobs taken away from them it's vile disgusting and fucking atrocious and if you think at any fucking point that it's okay to just turn a blind eye to all of this because you want to sit there and have i just want to switch my brain off i just want to switch my brain off or watch something okay i didn't do it why should because sometimes you have to fucking take a stand sometimes you have to see that something bad is happening and you withdraw your support from the thing so it doesn't continue to exist or it doesn't continue to exist in the way that it is at this present time, which is what is happening here or from what I can see is that what it's telling people is that you can get away with this shit for 40, 45 years and then ultimately it won't matter that much because you'll still get to walk away with a golden handshake and millions of dollars, you know, and people will continue to watch your your legacy and all that kind of shit. You know, if McMahon has done all the things that he has done, he deserves to not just have his legacy tarnished, it needs to disappear completely. And WWE is that legacy. It's as simple as that. And people go, what about all the people who work there and stuff? There's plenty of other promotions. (laughs) There's plenty of other promotions. Wrestling in America would be much healthier if WWE didn't exist. People would go to AEW, people would go to Impact. People would go to MLW, GCW. All of those promotions would get bigger and larger. We'd probably go back to more of a territory system. It'd be better for everybody. And away we go. So, but yeah, like I said, I will be back every week just to try and even the ledger slightly because it is absolutely flabbergasting how piss weak and uh, lily-livered every fucking wrestling journalist uh, that I know or have ever read or ever followed has been the last two weeks. You know, where Where are the... Where's your journalism now? You've trot around all fucking year calling yourself a journalist, even though none of you have got fucking degrees in journalism or communications or anything like that. You've never fucking... You've just started your own fanzines and then somehow managed to be able to put a little fucking pork pie hat on with a press card in it and call yourself a journalist well right now is a time for you to actually be fucking journalists and ask some actual fucking questions and I haven't seen any of you do it all the people you love Sean Ross Sapp Dave Meltzer Brian Alvarez fucking I heard Alvarez the other day fucking covering up for the boys immediately like two days after the news came out oh well you know this is atrocious what Vince has done and this is everyone has decided and this is the mandate and I don't know whether it's come from Hunter or TKO or whoever the fuck but the mandate is say whatever you want about Vince John Larinitis and Brock but everyone else is okay leave Hunter alone leave Sean alone Steph's fine Shane's fine All of these people if I anyone who might run WWE in the future. Leave them alone. But the people who've been punted and you don't have to worry about any retribution from them, you can go after them as much as you want. Well, guess what? The journalism's already been done on those people. The Wall Street Journal is the only place that has had, which is insane, is the only place that's had a beat on Vince over the last five years. And they're the only people who have done any real journalism around this subject. So if you've got anyone that you listen to or watch or follow, calls themselves a wrestling journalist or whatever the fuck, and they're not getting up in arms about this story, or they're not asking questions of people in positions of power at WWE, when they have that access, then they're no one that you should be following. They're just not. Uh, And people that I had some respect for, I've completely lost respect for this week. You know, just like, ah, Vince is disgusting. Hey, how bad is AEW? What happened to AEW? Fuck that that dot point, okay? Stop pushing the agenda of whoever's fucking paying your bills from WWE, okay? It's time for you as wrestling journalists to actually do some journalism. Alright, so that's where I was, that's where I am now. This is what's going to be happening. There will be an AEW weekly show each week, no matter what. When there's a pay-per-view, there will be an additional episode that week. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm sort of tossing up whether to do some... whether to, um, I might do a news one or WWE. I don't want to promise anything as far as that's concerned outside of the AEW shows. Um, it might just be that I talk about that stuff at the beginning of those episodes, but I know if you're coming for AEW, you don't want to hear about WWE, so... You know, I might just drop small little rant episodes or something like that. It's probably not a bad idea. And if you want to listen to those, you can listen to those. Um, But anyway, thank you for sticking around, coming back, jumping on board. Um, This is an AEW podcast made by an AEW fan for AEW fans. I like to think that this is a safe space where I'll try and debunk some of the bullshit that's getting spoken about about AEW. Um, I am a self-proclaimed wrestling journalist. I have written for numerous uh, wrestling publications like Monthly Pyririsu in Japan um, and have been a host of uh, a couple of different wrestling podcasts, 15 Minutes of Doom, Wrestle Wolf, uh, and guested on a a whole bunch of others. So I do have some experience um, and I'm just obsessed with wrestling. And trust me, look, if I could, if there was a way where I could let my, you know, if it was moralistically, if I felt like it was moralistically okay to watch WWE, I would absolutely watch it. I would be like, this is shit, you know, (laughs) like the wrestling is bad and the stories take too long to tell, but I would still watch it because I love wrestling, but I just don't understand how anyone can go near anything with a WWE logo on it after what we've all learned in the last week and a half. So anyway, thank you for jumping on board. Let's get into 2023 as far as AEW was concerned. Um, I might start... Uh, well, I usually do this with uh, Sir Matthew Kayfabe who can't make it at the moment. He's got a whole bunch of different things on, so I'm just going to do it on my own. So I'll quickly go through it. Um. What do I want to start with? I think I'll start with uh, biggest debut or best debut. We used to always argue about the word debut because debut sort of is sort of means like first time. But I always sort of took it as someone debuting for the company. Uh, and for me, it was Adam Copeland at Wrestle Dream at twenty uh, uh, Wrestle Dream twenty twenty three. Uh, I think Matt, if Matt was here, he would have picked CM Punk and Survivor Series, which is probably fair enough um even though i fucking hated it it was a big news story but for me personally as an AEW person um seeing edge or adam copeland in AEW was just as big a surprise and something i didn't expect to see as much as punk in wwe and um it was i think it was right at a point where AEW just needed something just needed a good news story because of all the negativity that i've talked about previously uh with the the wrestling media and it was it was huge and it was great it was a great way to to um sort of cap off the um the pay-per-view um and i think i think the way that um you know adam's gone about his business in AEW has been really cool um you know Again, I see negativity about this Where it's like, he's just wrestling no-names That Again, you're not If you don't know Who the wrestler is, it doesn't mean they're a no-name But also The no-names that you're talking about Are young wrestlers In their third, fourth year in the company Who are getting to have A match with Adam Copeland Edge, the rated R superstar And Almost every single one of them, they have pushed uh, Copeland kayfabe wise. But you've also got to see what they could, what they could do. Um, so like Dante Martin, for example, was a great match. You got to see what both of those guys could do. Um, but also the Edge and Christian feud is a big one for AEW. It will continue to get people to watch. But it's also a big one for wrestling. These are two guys who haven't really feuded like this, who have been best friends, come up through the ranks together. So I I like the idea of Christian saying to Copa, like, I beat you, even though he did it underhandedly, and you're going to have to go to the back of the line and work your way back up for a shot at the TNT Championship. And the fact that these guys aren't in the heavyweight title picture and are happy to do the mid-card belt just shows that they're good dudes and they understand why they're there and they're there to bring eyeballs on the product, but also to to elevate that belt. Um, but also that they're probably not... Uh, you know, you don't want AEW's main event guys to be two fifty two 52-year-olds. You know, that would would be a pretty bad sign. Um, So I I think from an AEW point of view, obviously Copeland has been the biggest debut. We haven't had, Will Ospreay has signed, but hasn't really debuted, but has also already done a bunch of work for the company anyway. So I know some people might be like, well, what about Will Ospreay? Well, he had already sort of wrestled for AEW. He has wrestled in AEW, not as an AEW signed wrestler. When he, he'll probably be biggest debut this year unless Drew McIntyre shows up, or Sasha Banks, or Okada, or MJF comes back, although that's not a debut. Um, Pay-per-view of the year, and this is just another, like, everything that I go through here uh, (laughs) has got this tarnished thing on it because of the wrestling media, which is just, I mean, it's so lazy and one-sided. I just can't believe... I think AEW fans just give up and go off and do their own thing and and just don't even bother arguing about it anymore um, because the WWE fan base, which half of them are fucking bots anyway, are just so obstinate and loud and annoying that it just makes you not want to... AEW fans have essentially been bullied off the internet. Um, And... All in was a perfect example of that. I mean, this is this is an, a just you know, 82,000 seats sold and then of course like 2 days after the pay-per-view someone's gone along to see how many people actually went into the venue. I've never seen that. I've never like I've, ne- <laughs> I've never seen that. WWE and it's on the record. Have lied about attendances the whole time that they've existed, and guys like Del- Dave Meltzer have gone and got the actual ticket sales, right? And then you know, and then WWE just don't say anything about it. This was an instance where 82,000 tickets were sold, and six or five or six thousand people didn't come along for whatever reason. So, what you know, like. Yes, it would have been more optimal if they were there, but I'm sure for big events, you know, like the AFL Grand Final that happens in Melbourne where I live every year, 110,000 tickets are sold every year. I'm sure there's a couple of thousand who don't show up for whatever reason. But you don't have, and there's some gutter journalism that goes on in this city, you don't have sports journalists rummaging through the fucking bins of AFL house to find out the three thousand people didn't show up because it's a failure because only a hundred and seven thousand people showed up, you know. And then that somehow that became the narrative that all in was a failure because five thousand of the eighty two thousand people who bought tickets didn't show up. They sold out fucking Wembley. (laughs) They sold out fucking Wembley Stadium, Wembley Stadium, and it was an amazing pay per view. From CM Punk's last match in AEW all the way up to the MJF Adam Cole match, the card was phenomenal. You know, the hardcore match with Moxley and Penta and all those guys, unbelievable. Uh, Osprey and Kenny Omega, just unbe- <laughs> just unbelievable. Like, uh, yeah. I just second guessed myself. Was it was Omega and Osprey? all in? Yeah, it was. Um. No, that was at Forbidden Door. Anyway. You know what I mean. Will Osprey at, at Wembley, all that stuff. You know, I can't remember the whole card off the top of my head. But I don't remember there being a bad match on the card. Uh even Hook and Jungle Boy in the pre-show was pretty good. Um. <laughs> so uh yeah, pay per view of the year, it was basically sold out Wembley. Every match was a banger, and then somehow you know they came back to America and it was a failure. I mean, you would just be if you were if you were Tony Khan, you would be like, what the fuck? What did I do to deserve this? You know. Um, I think for AEW they've just got to continue to keep doing things like uh, All In. And just trying to ignore the sheer weight and magnitude of the bad press that they get. And hopefully it'll turn around. Uh, so, the, I mean, <laughs> I thought the last week and a half that might happen, but... No. Well. Um, Male match of the year. Will Osprey and Kenny Omega a forbidden door. Not at all. It's my bad. Um, every time these guys wrestled, they wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom in New Japan earlier in the year and that would have been my match of the year if they had not done a second one um i mean yeah just every, just everything about this match was uh, stupendous uh, if you haven't seen it go back and watch it um i was watching Carl Fletcher this week on Dynamite and i know the comparison has been made to Osprey and Omega before but um if he ends up being a quarter as good of, as either of these guys, then um, we're in for a treat as AEW fans. But to get hopefully Kenny back, you know, I don't know how long it's going to be before Kenny's back, and have Will Ospreay in the same company at the same time with the the idea that they could wrestle, you know, on weekly TV is is just a a one that makes you salivate, you know? Uh, tag match of the year, FTR versus Bullet Cup Gold, uh, Jay White and uh, Juice Robinson on collision number five. Um, this was a feud and a, ta- like, Bullet Club kind of looked like they were coming after um, CMFTR, and I think that was the plan, is that Jay White and CM Punk were going to feud after Punk feuded with Ricky Starks which was a great feud Uh, and JY and Punk would have been great but this was a side effect of that feud that was starting to build Um, and these guys had just an amazing, it's the best tag match I think I've seen on on TV Best Friends versus the Lucha Bros is a pretty fucking good TV tag match Um, in the car park was that in the car park? yeah um but yeah, I mean FTR <laughs> you know just amazing. Uh Female match of the year, Athena versus Willow uh, Athena versus Willow Nightingale. Um obviously on Ring of Honor, uh Death Before Dishonor pay per view. Um it's interesting that Willow Nightingale has um been the person who has moved up to the um the big leagues, and Athena's still. I mean, she's champion in Ring of Honor, but she's been doing. I mean, it's been she's essentially been a, a Ring of Honor world champion for however long Tony's owned Ring of Honor, so a year and a half, two years now. Um, and we haven't really seen her on AEW at all. Um. Now, Athena's champ, and she basically is the main character of Ring of Honor's weekly TV. So, I mean, she's being used... uh, She's a much bigger star in Ring of Honor than she ever was in WWE, for example. But she is doing fantastic work uh, with Billy Starks. There's a a long story being told there that I really enjoy. Um, So I love this match between Athena and Willow Nightingale, and I just wonder... 2024 will we see starks and athena come up as well because the women's division in AEW is starting to look pretty stacked especially if mercedes money shows up and brit baker comes back um and uh jamie hayter you're starting to have a very very strong women's division which was something that um was attacked from all sides um for years with AEW. so um yeah, love this match. Female match of the year. I think um my well, it's not a gripe, but just my hope for the future is that Athena moves her way up into the big leagues and we get to see more of her because as much as I love that Tony has bought Ring of Honor and um Ring of Honor continues to exist as a promotion, um, Honor Club is too expensive. Uh it's too much wrestling. Uh, you know, I mean if I was to watch everything Tony books during the week, we'd be looking at eight eight hours of wrestling. Um, and that's, I mean, it's just fucking insane. I mean, it's an hour and ten minutes a day. Every day, you would have to watch AEW. <laughs> Although, when you sort of break it down like that, it's not too bad. But... Um, yeah, just like I'm sure they probably make some money off it because it would cost fuck all. They they you know they record it on the same night as they record Collision most of the time or they record it down in Florida. So it would cost fuck all um, to put it up online. But I, I don't know. I mean, if I was Tony, I would be looking to try and get all of that stuff onto a streamer and get a big deal like WWE have done. Or you just start your own, just take the the um, bull by the horns and just start your own thing. I mean, you've already done it with Ring of Honor anyway. Just add AEW to it and make it a subscriber service. You know, I don't know what the the finances of that are. I don't know whether that would put AEW under or over or... um. But, I mean, basically outside of the US and the UK, you have to pay a subscription to watch AEW anyway, so, um, yeah, but anyway, Athena, more Athena, Love Willow Nightingale, more Athena, um, yeah, and I think that's probably, I mean, promotion of the year, I've got AEW, um, not a lot of competition, I was never going to pick WWE, um, Impact now TNA they they really do do solid work um, I thought the first TNA pay-per-view sort of bounce around all over the place here what it that was this year in 2024 so it's a little unfair to talk about it this year Um, there was just something missing in that pay-per-view I was really excited to like the rebrand and I'm like TNA I'm really going to get on board and it just felt like sort of B minus c-plus wrestling which i kind of expect from impact and that's fine i'm not you know sometimes it's better than that sometimes it's slightly worse but it's usually consistently like you know b minus c plus like pretty good um but i just thought once i went to tna it might get slightly better throughout the year there were some things that tna did that i that i liked um you know splitting up the uh motor city machine guns um and having Alex Shelley win the TNA heavyweight champion and making him uh, champion for the majority of the the year, um and uh making um Chris Saban the X division champion TNA was cool. That was it was it was good to see those guys get some recognition in the last year of Impact being sort of like at Impact the the whole way through. But there's a lot of guys in Impact and even in the women's division as well that. I don't know whether it's the presentation and impact that makes them feel a little bit less or there's just slightly sort of boring people being pushed. But uh, Josh Alexander doesn't do much for me. Moose doesn't do much for me. Um, You know, the the young rascals in the tag division who were champs for a long period of time don't do much for me. There's, uh, to me, there's like uh, Jordan Grace doesn't do a lot for me. Uh, Mickey james was in and around for a long period of time she bores me um so there aren't many people that get my attention uh you know uh, alex shelley was one chris Sabin was one um bully ray was doing some pretty good heel work on there for a while i know a lot of people hate bully there's a lot of times where i disagree with him but when he's a heel in a wrestling promotion he's fucking good man uh, and all the stuff that he was doing was interesting. Uh, you know, he made me invest in Tommy Dreamer. You know, I, I like Tommy, but like Tommy's 55 years old and shouldn't be wrestling. <laughs> I think he ended up being digital champion. There are a few people, um, I've sort of just gone off to talking about TNA now, but uh, there are a few people that um, get my attention. Um, Ace Austin, I, I just continue to talk about how great Ace Austin is. I mean, it, I'm sure all of these companies have looked at him, but how Shawn Michaels hasn't gone and spent money to get Asos and across to NXT and develop him for WWE, I don't know, because he is Shawn Michaels. I mean, he is—he's got all the hallmarks of being a Shawn Michaels, and if I was AW, I would be doing everything I possibly could to get Asos, and it. it It wouldn't cost you as much as, like, Okada or money, and it would be a great long-term investment. Um, So Ace Austin, uh, Joe Hendry as well, is someone who's doing a lot of comedy-type wrestling, and he's very good at that, but he's a good-looking dude. He's fucking big, and he can wrestle a fair bit. Very charismatic, kind of has, like, Drew McIntyre, like, has the ability to be a Drew McIntyre. If he bulked up a little bit, you know, sort of, oh, actually got a bit more cut um and played a mean guy but he can also do very cool funny stuff as well so oh cool's not the right word but very funny entertaining wrestling so um yeah pco you know like there there are things in tna that i enjoy and i i like watching i think they do storylines pretty well but they're just so limited by budget um It kind of reminds me of old ECW stuff a little bit in the sense of like it's very much match, promo to camera, match, promo to camera. And I think that's probably where people get a little disappointed with AEW that they do have a bigger budget and they don't do much of that storytelling. There's a real fear of like coming across as sports entertainment. But it is a weekly TV show. You do need to have some stories. Um, New Japan's booking I think has been... Uh, poor the last couple of years, Sonata as champ didn't do much for me, Naito winning at Wrestle Kingdom does less for me, Uh, I think there's some people coming up uh, like Sinjay and David Finlay that I think uh, will do wonders for New Japan the next couple of years and um, I am really looking forward to seeing what they do, but just at the minute, I think the booking is quite lacklustre and stagnant, and I think maybe the best thing that could happen in New Japan is Okada going to America, um, because I just feel like the spectre of him lo- larges pretty loom in, uh, looms pretty large in New Japan, Um, and so therefore it really, I mean, uh, some GCW stuff I saw during the year, but not enough to make them promotion the year, I think, you know, I mean, they lost CM Punk, yes, but gained Will Ospreay, gained uh, Adam Copeland, uh, put on their first pay-per-view overseas, got 82,000 people to buy tickets to it, Uh, every pay-per-view they did this year was fantastic, MJF's run as champion was great, they built him up to to be one of the biggest stars in wrestling um there was a lot to like about AEW. They, they launched their second tv their proper second tv show in collision which i think has probably been a stronger show than dynamite throughout the year so there's still a lot of wins for AEW they just don't get talked about um <clears throat> people just concentrate on uh smaller audiences um well, I think if every time you pick up your tablet or phone, all you see is AEW is shit. Why would people go to the shows? So, um, but they're not, and you should go. And uh, yeah, AEW are my promotion. <laughs> yeah, um, I like. I just want to point out in previous episodes of, of previous years when we've done this, I think I have picked Impact and New Japan the the last two years. So this is probably the first time I have picked AEW uh, except for the first year we did it. So um yeah, I, I think if you put the achievements up in a list, there there is a part of you that would go, oh holy shit, all the pay-per-views, they did the pay-per-view, they did all in. They got Adam Copeland, they got Will Osprey, um it's launched their second show and it's and it's doing really well. Um as far as the content is concerned, I know not as much people are watching now as when Punk was on it, but that will change over time. Um All right, let's quickly go through my top 10 wrestlers of the year and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, Somehow I've talked for 45 minutes on my own. I did not plan on doing that, but that's kind of the way things go around here. We'll start at number 10, Brian Danielson, who announced his retirement halfway through the year and then has basically had match of the year every week since uh, and all done it with one arm and one eye. (laughs) Um you know his match with the carter at wrestle uh kingdom was pretty great um essentially any match that you want to name that he's had in AEW uh in the last 6 months has been you know probably a five star match so um to be legitimately injured and sort of uh essentially become AEW's talisman after being on the discipline Being the head of the discipline Basically helping Tony decide to Fire Sam Punk So he basically fired Punk And then had to step up to be A domain guy um, All the while with a broken arm And one eye um, And going to Japan to wrestle And You know Just He never ceases to Amaze me And tells a good story His story with Eddie Kingston um was fantastic. Um ah oh, the the fucking um Continental Classic AEW just another dot point for the promotion of the year. Continental Classic was two and a half months of some of the best TV wrestling you'll ever see. So there's another reason to to have promotion of the year. Uh so Brian Danielson number 10, number 9 David Finlay, he is one of the few people you want to watch on New Japan at the moment. He is exciting I think he has a more interesting version of Bullet Club than Jay White and I feel a bit bad saying that because I am a Jay White super fan, nerd, man guy, Um, but I think Finlay's doing, I think Finlay has brought Bullet Club back to being um, heels and really nasty fucking heels. Um and I you know at first, I was a little bit like, "Oh, David Finlay, holy shit, um, but I think he's really grown into the into the uh role of being like the head heel in New Japan, and I just sort of hope they can find uh a baby face to have a good uh program with him because that's that's been the major problem for me with New Japan at the moment is that there's no major story outside of like. Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega and neither of those guys wrestle for that company anymore um but anyway David Finlay uh number eight Alex Shelley from TNA Wrestling uh, or Impact Wrestling in 2023 um has been an Impact guy for 20 years during the pandemic got to the point where he didn't think he was going to wrestle anymore and became I think he's a physiotherapist or something along those lines and was just had a practice and was just gonna go off and do that. And then Saban sort of got him back and uh Impact got him back to to just do little bits and pieces. And then they won the tag champs. And uh so for him to finally win the the Impact slash TNA um world championship was really cool for him on a personal level. But I think for us as fans it and, and he did a really good job of it as well. I think he had some great matches Um, he made me interested in everything that he was doing, and um, I think he thoroughly deserves to be in the top 10. Uh, Number seven is Athena, Ring of Honor Women's Champion. As I was saying earlier, uh, her storyline with Billy Starks is still bubbling away. Billy Starks uh, is her minion, and there's a real uh, Million Dollar Man and Virgil thing going on here where you just want Billy Starks to knock Athena's block off and it will happen eventually, but it's not going to happen for a while yet. Um, but they actually, their promos are great. Athena is having a lot of fun. She's very over the top, um, but is also fucking awesome and fun to watch in the ring as well. So again, I think maybe the second half of this Athena and Billy Starks story should be told in the big leagues on dynamite and collision. Um, but it's probably the main thing getting people to watch Ring of Honor at the moment. So Tony's in a bit of a bind there. But um, yeah, Athena at number seven. Uh, number six, Eddie Kingston, the Triple Crown, current AEW Triple Crown. Uh, well, AEW and uh, Ring of Honor and New Japan Triple Crown winner. Um, I think his story in the Continental Classic was brilliantly executed by Tony and, uh, one of the, one of the better and more subtle stories told in wrestling recently, and the whole tournament was set up around uh him and danielson and uh there's going to be this continuing feud between Danielson and Kingston uh going up to when Danielson is going to retire and I think it'll be Eddie Kingston that retires danielson I don't i th- I think uh, I don't know Danielson is a Japan like a New Japan guy like he trained in the dojo there I think he might put Eddie over on his way out um but I mean Eddie Kingston just does what he does and I've said this on numerous occasions outside of CM Punk and now you know with the Matt Dillon teeth and the hair plugs and being WWE now that Phil's Phil Brooks is doing his Las Vegas residency and uh the Fed, Uh, Eddie Kingston is the guy who makes me believe, he makes me believe that this is a wrestling promotion and that Eddie Kingston is a fighter who fights every week and uh, I just believe him, I just believe him when he talks, I believe him when he he fights in the ring, I forget that I'm watching a a pro wrestling show. Um, and it feels real. It feels real to me. God damn it. And that's. I think that's the highest compliment you can pay someone in wrestling. Is that when you completely forget where you are and what's happening, get totally sucked into the kayfabe world of the promotion. Um. Then you know someone's doing something special, and and Brian Danielson has that ability. But i haven't seen someone be able to do this for me like eddie kingston um he's my favorite wrestler in AEW. um he's my favorite wrestler in the world (laughs) at the moment um uh, i just thought about five other wrestlers at the same time he he is he's probably number one he's number one it's a tie race between him and will Ospreay, but it's um and brian danielson but uh but look he's my favorite promo at the very least um which he seems to hate doing or he, yeah but anyway uh, amazing year for Eddie Kingston triple crown winner continental classic he was fantastic what a great story loved everything about it number 5 is the patriarch christian cage and current TNT uh A or AWT TNT champion uh christian cage uh Had the feud with Darby Allin for a lot of the year, uh, which was a lot of fun, Sting and Darby Allin, and then formed the patriarchy with Luchasaurus uh, and Nick Wayne, and now Nick Wayne's mum, who I can't remember her name, uh, to form the patriarchy, and of course has been feuding with Adam Copeland ever since he came into AEW. Christian Cage is the best heel in the world right now. Um, he's better than Roman Reigns. Uh, he's better than David Finley. Uh, you know, whoever else you want to throw up. Um, he's better than Adam Cole. Um, yeah, I don't know. Are there any other heels in WWE besides Roman? Doesn't look like it. Uh, yeah, Christian. I mean, Christian's just amazing. His promos are amazing. The patriarchy thing is fantastic. What is really good with him and Adam Copeland and a fair few other people in, in AEW is when something works, they incorporate it into their gimmick. But Christian seems to be very, very good at that. Um, and to be like in your early 50s and getting into the top 10 wrestlers of the year, WrestleWolf top 10 wrestlers of the year, is quite a feat in its own regard, not just sneaking into the top 10 like number five. Um, really looking forward to see what uh, Christian's obviously having a little bit of time off right now. Really looking forward to seeing what he does when he comes back. Number four is Tony Storm, timeless Tony Storm, AEW Women's Champion. Um, Tony Storm, uh, I've always look. I'll, I'll just be honest. I've always had a bit of a crush on her because I thought she was very attractive. I don't really like talking about the wrestlers like that, but I like I have, I've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, and I've also thought that she's always been really good in ring. Um, When she was doing the outcast gimmicks with Soraya and Ruby Soho, there was a period of time there I was like, God, these three... Well, from a booking standpoint, I was like, okay, I understand. At some point, these guys are going to break up and probably feud, but that seems really easy and boring. And Tony doesn't suit this, like being a punk rock chick with a lip curled up. She just didn't. She just didn't seem like the gimmick was for her, or she was enjoying it, or any of that. Um, and to be fair, the Outcast is a bit of a shit gimmick, like a. a Yeah, Soraya should just be a bad... She should just be a heel on her own. Anyway, nothing about Soraya. So, Tony did one promo that was like... She was this washed-up star. You know, what does she do now? And then it's turned into this whole, like, Sunset Boulevard, washed-up actress character. She is hilarious. Um, And and this is... uh, Timeless, Timeless Tony Storm is the reason why you watch a promotion like AEW because you see the uh, artistry happening from the wrestlers. Of like they come up with this idea and then it's slowly, the Luther gets at it and then the shoe tits out. Watch for the shoe. Slowly things start to like get incorporated. Uh, her not recognizing Tony Schiavone, like just she is a genuinely funny. Which is hilarious, and the fact that this character has allowed her to show that the sky's the limit now for tony storm like and she is creating interest in a women's division, which from my standpoint hasn't really interested me that much previously um you know outside of like Thunder Rosa um and Serena De, there haven't been too many that have really you know I was happy to see Soraya and AEW... Um, And I was happy when Tony Storm was signed, but there hasn't been a lot of excitement for me. When Tony Storm, if I know Tony Storm's on the show, I'm locked in. I'm like, great, cool. That's one segment or that's one match that I'm going to love because Tony Storm's involved. Um, And her being a W champion is great. You know, it makes the decision to sign her from WWE is already been worth it. It's already paid for itself. So um, I can't wait to see where she takes his character or what she does next. And, and, It's great to see that TK, even with all the criticism and all the bullshit that comes AEW's way, um, is still open to allowing wrestlers to take chances Uh, because the last thing we need is to have a just a carbon copy of the Fed, which is so, uh, you know, wrestling show by numbers, it's not funny. Number three, and even looking at this list, there's a part of me that's like, oh man, he could be number two or one, uh, is Swerve Strickland. I think there's been a, a slow groundswell of support for Swerve over the year. And I think, you know, again, Tony cops a lot of um, cops a lot of shit for his booking, and sometimes it is warranted. But I think what he is good at doing, and we have seen it with MJF, Darby Allen, he's good at taking people who are relatively unknown or unknown completely and building them into a main event player. Hangman Page is another one. I know he was in New Japan, but did you know Hang did you know Hangman Page before AEW? You fucking didn't. Um so Swerve is at a point now where he I feel like he's the hottest thing in AEW. Right now, in January twenty twenty four, he's the hottest thing in AEW. Um he's been main eventing basically everything for the last three to four months. He will be world champion. I hope he takes the belt off Joe. I'm not a big Joe fan. I don't think it looks great for the company, for Samoa Joe to be champion, Um, especially when he's not wrestling at all. You know, I just don't think he's that big a deal to just have him sitting around on commentary laughing and, you know, I, I just... Yeah, I just don't think... I've never been a big Samoa Joe guy. I get why everybody loves him. I understand. I respect Samoa Joe, but I think if AEW are going to differentiate themselves from the competition, then they need to invest in the younger guys. They need to do that by putting the belt on guys like Swerve Strickland. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like the Prince Nana gimmick, you know, again, these are sort of things that happen naturally where Swerve records a song of his own. He makes it his theme song. Prince Nana goes crazy the first time they play it does like you know a little swerve when I drive dance and now it's when he comes out you know you'll have 3000 4000 people dancing along with him um yeah and like i mean the the hardcore match that he had with uh with Hangman um is still one of the most brutal matches i've uh i think i've ever seen I can't I mean, there's a fair few ACW matches that were pretty fucked up, but on national television, national American television, uh, you know, for a big company, for essentially new WCW, that was a, a fucked up match. Um, and props to Swerve and Hangman for putting it on. But Swerve, number three, should be the next AEW champion. Number two is a, a former AEW champion in MJF. I um, there's a lot of mixed reviews of MJF's championship year. Look, I, I I enjoyed every minute of it, and I think when people go back and look at it, whether he shows back up in AEW or does go across to the Fed, um, I think people will look at that year and go, "Fuck!" I mean, the first you know, the first three to four months was him just being a full-on heel, and then there was the beginnings of the Adam Cole story where he was a heel but kind of a likable one and mjf is so good at what he does uh the company didn't have a choice but to make him a face and as much as i enjoy mjf as a heel and i wouldn't want to see him as a face forever it was fun to see doofus face mjf for six months and i thought the I thought the friendship story stuff with Adam Cole was good. I think there were moments in the ring where they really convinced me that they really cared about each other. And in particular, MJF Max really made me believe that he didn't have any other friends and that Adam was his only friend. Uh, What I did also like is that there was, there was growth in the character. He learned, you know, he learned that, uh, Adam could have other friends besides Max. And so it made, the more I think about that year of the story, the more I think that, like, the ultimate betrayal, even though we all kind of saw it coming, it makes it even more tragic for Max, you know? Like, the longer the story went on, the more betrayed Max has been. And the more I think that he has re signed with AEW and is going to be away for a while, because when he comes back, he can talk about how brokenhearted he was and it comes across as real because he's been gone for a while. Um, if he goes to the Fed for money, you know, good luck to him, but fuck, man, have fun. Um, but yeah, MJF, just brilliant. Uh, number one is Will Ospreay. This is a guy who I don't think Dave Meltzer. Had a score for him under five point, uh, under five point five stars, uh, for the for the year. I think you know there were six and seven star matches. Um, not that I really give that much of a fuck about Dave's dumb rating system, but it does give you an idea into this is a man who is at the top of his game. I thought outside of the amazing in ring stuff, which is just sort of becoming. Will Ospreay is so good in ring that he can have an eight star match, and you sort of feel like, oh, that was pretty good. You know, if it, but if it was with anyone else, you'd be like, holy shit, that's the best match I've ever seen. What I was really impressed with with Will this year, especially in AEW, was seeing the development in his character uh, and promo work. Like he really commands the ring now. Uh, I hope he's kind of used as a heel initially. Uh, in AEW you can't do that forever because he's too good looking and too talented and too charismatic to not have him as a babyface champion at some point but I would like to see him get a run as a heel Um, I think he'll come in with the Callis family still on the the uh, the last supper painting of Don's when he comes out so um, yeah looking looking forward to seeing what what he does when he gets to AEW but I mean, the two matches with Kenny Omega alone, um, you know, put him on this list outside of, of every other fucking match he had this year. The, the match that he just had at Wrestle Kingdom with John Moxley and David Finlay, which was this year, so I can't put it on the list. But um, every time he gets in the ring, it's five stars. So, uh, yeah, Will Osprey is my... My wrestler of the year. I think he was my wrestler of last year as well. All right, that's an hour. That's everything I wanted to cover. Um, big rant up top, but I'd been away for three months and uh, I just have to talk about it and I'll, I'll keep talking about it um, from now on because no one else is going to. Um, so with the weekly shows, the weekly shows will be returning. I'm going to do them on Sundays. Um, Australian time so they they'll drop on Monday morning Um, so that'll be just after collision Um, and basically we'll be looking at uh, storylines of the week, fail of the week, um, highlights of the week uh, and a news segment so we'd be looking at you know 20 to 30 minute episodes I want to make them shorter sort of pack everything the, the good and the bad news good bad um and sort of you know if you don't have time to watch all the all the content um you know wrestle wolf can be sort of a one stop shop for you to to come and find out you know who's winning who's losing who's good you know should i check out the next pay per view should i check out next week's episode all that sort of thing anyway love you guys thanks for listening um subscribe we're now hosted by oh, I'm now hosted by Spotify um so Uh, If you want to uh, follow um, in your podcast player of choice or go along to Spotify and and, uh, subscribe to us there, it's free to do that. Um, If you could rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, that gets us into the algorithm and out to more people. Um, And uh, the more people I get out to, the more uh, it'll get people listening and talking about AEW, the bigger AEW will become and we'll get AEW uh, back to where they belong, uh, which is being the biggest and most exciting wrestling promotion on the planet. All right, until next time, brother dudes and doodads, have a great week in nice Wrestling, and I'll talk to you soon.